In the 1970s, a future top-notch podcasting team was born, and then raised on military bases because their dads were in the Air Force. These Gen Xers eventually grew up and were unleashed upon the world. Today, looking forward to retirement, they survive by dishing out their opinions. If you have questions that need answers and an open mind, if you can spare 60 minutes a week, and if you have internet access, maybe you can listen to Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. Hey, listening friends, my best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid who's going with a girl who saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors last night. I guess it's pretty serious. Do you know what else is pretty serious? Us. We are. It's Kenyatta and Jack, and we're here to save the world. Listening friends, we are glad that you have turned out to be with us again for another week and another 60-ish minutes of non-stop chaos and ruckus although fairly organized considering it's us hey jack <laughs> hey how are you i mean well, i know the answer to that we just discussed it a few minutes ago but for the sake of our listeners i'm well i'm well i'm well so that's good we're both we're both good considering so these are not bad things these are not bad things. that is true that is true hmm listen yeah. friends I know, I know, we've, we promise you new every Tuesday, but we are human and therefore flawed. We cannot be perfect. We come close. We cannot be perfect. So this is our actually brand newest episode in a couple of weeks. And that's fine. It's fine. That's fine. We hope. Yes. We hope that you've missed us because we're glad to be back. Hooray. Yep. We are glad to be back, but at the same time, we hope that, uh, with this episode that aired last week that uh, if you have never known what somebody that is a burn survivor goes through, that you have a, a whole new understanding and appreciation for that community. Indeed. But with that, we are going to move on to our more normal and typical programming format where we start with some beautiful, lovely WTFs. Mm. Tell our listening friends what they've won, Jack. <clears throat> they have won an all-expense-paid trip through their ears exploding with the sound of what the fudge. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really matter, but do you want to go first? I could, yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's let's go for it. So, former besties and fellow Republican representatives, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And fellow cheaters on their husbands. Indeed. Lauren Bobart are in a tiff. Let's talk about it. Apparently, as you may or may not have already heard, I don't think we touched on it previously, but Taylor Greene had tried to introduce an article of, um, oh gosh. Right Impeachment. Thank you. You're welcome. On Joe Biden due to his handling of the so-called immigrant, immigrant crisis at the Southern border. Mm. Nobody wanted to co-sign on it. So it kind of petered out. Apparently though, one person 
thought it might have been a good idea. And so she stole the whole thing, lock, stock, and barrel, and presented it as her own vote for uh, impeachment. And Ms. Bobart went a step further and filed it as, let's see what they call it, some kind of um, expedited vote. It had to play, take place in two days. I can't remember the phrase that they used. But apparently, Bobart just pretty much stole the whole outline and concept from Taylor Green and said, here, that's my idea. And Green came back and called Ms. Bobart a, a little biatch right there yeah. in front of people. Ms. Bobart said, ooh, I didn't even read your article of impeachment. That's really cute. But anyway, quote, I had already... I had already introduced articles of impeachment on Joe Biden for the border and asked her to co-sponsor mine. She didn't. This is coming from Green on this past Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Continue her quote. She basically copied my articles and then introduced them and then changed them into a privileged resolution. That's the term for getting an expedited vote on it. So apparently these two have been each other's throats for months which is neither surprising nor not absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Well, I mean, eventually you're going to turn on each other, right? I mean. This is like the worst version of Mean Girls I have ever seen. (laughs) And I just watched Mean Girls again last week, and I'm like, yeah, this looks about right. Literally. Literally some, some high school cheerleader hijinks. You stole my idea. You went and co-signed with me on it. And then you stole my idea and said it was yours. Big whoop. You claimed it all is yours. Big whoop. And neither one of you have a a leg to stand on anyway. Basically, you're trying to force an impeachment on him because he hasn't handled the crisis at the border. The one that they wanted to defund. my that point. would be my that would be my whole thing if it actually makes it out of committee and goes. I'd be like, they're mad that he didn't do it, but they wanted to cut the budget by twenty two percent, lay off X number of border people. So this is clearly just political theater by a bunch of jackasses. Yes, and they were. It was already a warning out there not to do this anyway, because it was so weak. Other Republicans were like, ah, ah, ah. but it didn't matter. Green God was a great idea and it got no traction. And I don't know what made Bobert think that it was going to sound better coming from her. I don't. It, ugh, it's just. Once again, out of so many examples, one more example of them wasting time. Just wasting time. Just, yeah. being, just up there being funny and trying to get attention and just wasting the other politicians time and us. They have done nothing serious since they came into office. Oh, wow. They made it to where you can't make gas stoves illegal, which was never what the guy said. He said, we need to figure out a way to make it to where gas stoves maybe pollute a little less. Mm -hmm. So they're healthier for people, not we have to get rid of gas stoves. Those are two separate things but of course you know they're not going to let a little thing like what actually happened stop them from doing something stupid Duh. 
der. I just I I I just happened upon that story earlier today. I was actually looking for something else, and that was a link in the other store that I was running. I was like, oh, this is better. <laughs> yeah, this, this is a hair puller right here. And like I said, I I I don't I don't I I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just want to see more of it. You know, you guys just like watching them implode like this. You know what? There's if you can believe their back and forth crap, uh, Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg might be fighting each other in a cage fight. That is funny. Yes. <laughs> the and idea is apparently funny. when I first saw that, I was like, this has to be not real. Apparently it is actually a thing. You know what it's going to look like, though? This will be an actual slap fight. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a bitch slap fight. (laughs) Like, you know, when when they show people with their head down and just swinging and they're like, that's what that is. Yeah, yeah. It's going to look like that. Well, maybe uh, maybe Marjorie and Trader Green and Bobo could be the opening card. (laughs) And I would pay to see none of it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if I want to see it for free. Like, I, I actually want I actually want to see some passion in it. I want I want to see this happen. I don't need no fakery. No slapping. Well, no the Bobo Trader Green fight would probably be the better one. I don't know. Well, you know what? How do you say that? Yeah. It could be like glow. Yeah. Well, I'll take the G out. Oh, no, no, no. Without the that. talent. <laughs> let me let me not say that. I'm not here to impinge on their looks. Just their intellectual and professional capabilities, of which there are none. Um that is correct. But there's my WTF. All righty. Yuck. <laughs> what do you have? Oh, well, mine is just beautiful. It involves MAGA pastor and prophet. He is the pastor of Regeneration Nashville Church, and his name is Kent Christmas. This man loves him some Donald Trump. And... Uh, not this past weekend. That was the weekend before, I believe. He was doing that thing that preachers do called preaching. And he said the following. I was originally going to read what he said, but I thought, nah, people need to hear what he said in his own words. So here we go, folks. Get ready for this beautiful thing. You want to know why the Muslim faith has had its advancements? Because the Muslims were willing to die for their belief. They were willing to strap bombs to their chest. They believed in the afterlife. God give us some men and women that'll get a hold of some passion in their spirit and says, I will lay down my life for the gospel. This same was born in blood. There you go. So is he suggesting that he go first or? I don't know. know. It To me, that kind of implies that maybe he's thinking Christians need to start doing suicide bombings. That's what I'm saying. Is he offering to go first? Well, of course, he's not offering to go first. I mean, he's just, I mean, that would be crazy. He can't continue to lead people if he were to do that 
you know, I uh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so then, of course, I guess he wasn't expecting for, you know, the interwebs to pick up on this. And of course, his response was what I said was taken out of context. And that's not what I meant. So he's what is he saying? He meant it like figuratively. I I guess he was saying that, you know, you just as a Christian, you have to be willing to die for Jesus. But I don't think you use the example of people strapping bombs to themselves if that's what you're saying. You know what I mean? That sort of implies something else entirely. I mean, it does to me. I don't, I'm not sure how you're supposed to misread that, but okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, that's just crazy. And then when you factor in that there was a, uh, another preacher back in May that said that God had told him that he was going to start uh, punishing Democrats by killing them in June. No, he said it in April, they were going to kill them in May, that God was going to punish Democrats in May by killing them. And then, of course, that didn't happen. And so he said, well, I may have got the timing off. Well, what? I thought God told you. That would make you a false prophet, pal. And the Bible also has things that are supposed to be done to false prophets. But any, this other dildo, that's just insane. I can't imagine why you would think, you know, this might be a good topic for a good thing to add into my uh, sermon. You know? I, um, yeah, I... Mm. This is twice. This is twice in a row. I can't, I can't formulate. I don't know if it's the sketchy sleep schedule I've been on or what. I, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. I guess, I guess we'd be supposed to be convinced of his sincerity with, by, you know, the passion that he uses in preaching this, that we're supposed to absolutely positively believe that, you know, being willing to die to make this stuff happen and, and that people are going to die. We're supposed to believe all this is supposed to happen because he said so. Yeah. He's, he's really passionate about it and he screams really loud. Yeah. But, you know, you hear from, you know, the other side that you hear stuff like this and it's like, this is why people on the left and non-MAGA people are so concerned to put the word mildly mm. about the rhetoric coming from MAGA people. Because he's just one of a multiple, it, it, it's just coming from all ends. Mm. So now you have, you know, the anti-Semites and you have, um, is it sad that we have to like differentiate racists, <laughs> but there's like distinct groups, you know, it's not just within yeah. Well, yeah, and it's not just necessarily maggots either. It's extremists, religions, and fundamentalist religions that are True. going they wild. Just, they just all happen to be MAGA. Most, a lot of them are. Some of them are. They just strict, they stick strictly to the religious aspects of it. That is true. That is true. We were talking offline about watching that documentary, The Shiny Happy People. Yeah. And they were made, they had made a point that. Um, you know, social media, especially TikTok, is like a haven for those kinds of extremist 
Christians. And I completely by accident a couple of weeks ago, because, you know, TikTok, you know, you know how it is. At random just showed me this video of this young man. He looks sane. He's somewhere down in Texas, somewhere near Dallas or something like that. The stuff that was coming out of his mouth, he couldn't be any older than like our kids. The stuff that was coming out of his mouth was frightening. He takes a trip into Dallas and he's, there's a part of Dallas, um, downtown Dallas, that has a whole setup that's funded by AT&T. And it has this sculpture. I can't remember what they call it. The Golden Man, I think they call it. It's a mm-hmm. sculpture that's been around for like 100 years um, that was commissioned by, you know, the previous owners of the company AT&T. It has been moved around the country and it's at its, its current resting place downtown in the plaza there in Dallas. He's like, it's a demonic statue. And then he's pointing to a huge digital billboard on the side of a, of a building. He said, that is a demonic portal. And they are conjuring up demons and that's there's a big old huge sculpture that looks like um, half circles it's like an interactive light sculpture that sits in the middle of the plaza he said that's the portal and that sign up there he's pointing to the billboard they're actually they're actually performing summonings and the demons will come through the portal he is dead serious and i'm just Mm -hmm. sitting there looking at the video astounded like are they serious and this band votes I'm like, oh, man. So, yeah, a lot of it is, is steeped in MAGA. And then there's some that just don't have anything to do with politics at all. And it's just as frightening. I'm like, yeah, these, they're the one. They're the ones that are getting sent out. They are making plans to send them out and have them infiltrate all levels of government. And yep. Get, get prominent positions of influence in communities. It's not a joke. Not a joke. Yep. Then you have uh, people like the lady that is the head of, I believe it is the South Carolina GOP, mm. who believe who is a flat earther. Oh, joy! <laughs> that should be an automatic disqualifier. Oh my! For any job, that should literally be the one belief that they should be able to ask you that can't be held against or can be held against you for a job. <laughs> they should just throw out some of the more common conspiracy theories do you believe in this do you believe in this do you believe in this and as soon as they pause for too long just just got, got our answer thank you for coming in all right <laughs> that's it that is it yep yep anyway there we go there's not nothing you know scary or anything about any of that stuff that's happening not at all not at all. Not at all. <laughs> anyway, with that, let's. Uh, I mean, there's not really a whole lot more to say, so we should probably just. I mean, there is, but that would be like six weeks worth of episodes. <laughs> and I don't. I don't think I have the voice for that because you, for listening friends, you didn't hear earlier, but I had to take a pause. So <laughs> I'll make it through this, but not too much more. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a different type of topic that doesn't involve, well, actually, maybe it does. I don't know. Anyway, Kenyatta, why don't you tell us 
And by us, I mean me and our wonderful listeners, what we're going to talk about. Today, our main topic will focus on phobias. A lot of us have them. Some of them are strange. They may be strange to those who don't wrestle with them, but those who do, not so much. But to start off with, what is a phobia? And according to this fine little article on Johns Hopkins Medicine website, a phobia is defined as an uncontrollable, irrational, and lasting fear of a certain object, situation, or activity. This fear can be so overwhelming that a person may go to great lengths to avoid the source of this fear. One response can be a panic attack or breaking Uh in sweats or a variety of things. It's just the list is long. Interestingly enough, though, about 19 million Americans have one or more phobias that range from mild to severe. And they can often they can happen often in early childhood, but they are most often first seen between the ages of 15 and 20. They affect both men and women equally, but men are more likely to seek treatment for phobias, which I find interesting. That is interesting because men generally don't like to go to doctors. It's also true. Hmm. I'm not dogging on y'all. That's just, you know. (laughs) It is what it is. It is what it is. Research suggests that genetic and environmental factors contribute to the start of phobias. And certain phobias have been linked to a a very bad first encounter with the feared object or situation. Mental health experts don't know if this first encounter is necessary or phobias can simply occur in people who are likely to have them. And that's an interesting thought. Because doing some other reading on some other sites while putting some of this stuff together, a lot of them do have the consensus that phobias are most likely linked to an unpleasant encounter somewhere early in life that you may or may not remember. So go figure. Yeah, that's kind of how I, I don't, think I have like a full on phobia, but I do have a mild phobia when it comes to I'm like swimming and water sort of like that. That That comes from when I was four. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We uh, dad was stationed at Myrtle Beach Air Force Base and we were at the beach swimming and I was sort of I wasn't like in the, you know, deep in the water or anything like that. Um, but I was in the ocean and a big sort of wave came in and it hit me and it knocked me over and started pulling me back out towards the, towards the ocean. And somehow I got out of it and was coughing up a bunch of water and everything. And I went out of the ocean and never went back in <laughs> until I was in my thirties. And so I never really I can kind of swim if I have, you know, like a mask over my face and my nose, but otherwise I'm not really a great swimmer. I don't particularly enjoy swimming. And that is why. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You have any phobias or mild phobias or full on phobias? I I do. And I will actually talk about those in the course of the conversation, but while you were mentioning that yours could be, and it's two different ones that are related to water aquaphobia, which is a fear of water itself. And then there's the lassophobia, 
which is fear of deep bodies of water. That's probably more what mine is. Cause I can go and stand, um, you know, in a pool or whatever. And as long as like my feet touch, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And the times I've gone like swimming in the lake or the ocean, it's sort of the same thing, but I don't particularly like, uh, bodies of water that are like natural because I have very hairy legs and fish like to nibble on my leg hairs. And that just is disconcerting to me. Mm-hmm. That'll do it. <laughs> oh my goodness. It, it really weirds me out. Well, I mean, thinking about it weirds me out. So I can't imagine good gravy. <laughs> like, what do you want? What, what is happening? <laughs> stop. Those aren't, that's not food. It's <laughs> not algae. Stop. <laughs> Those aren't little worms. Leave me alone. It's not, there's not two pillows. Okay. So, <laughs> so we're going to discuss a few of these uh, phobias and it's, it's, I don't know if it's. Just real quick before you go on, I'm only saying this because it's on TV. Needless sure. to say, I would not be getting in a submarine to go and look at the wreckage of the Titanic. You know, and I won't get too far off course with this, but someone, uh, one of my Facebook friends made a very good point about that trying to go and be a tourist of places where people have passed on is not a good idea. It's just not. Whether you believe that certain places retain energy like that or not, it's just, it's not recommended. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, based upon my issues with water, that is not something I would be doing. Fair. Understandable. (laughs) And I don't, I don't have a fear of water, and I, I still would not. So, there's that. Anywho, but I'm going to get in into uh, talking about a few of these, and I, I don't want to say they're more unusual than any others, but by doing research, some of them struck me as a little bit more odd than than some I've heard of, because there's some common ones that a lot of us have heard of, but then there are some that are not. And when you think about it, there can be phobias in regards to pretty much everything around you every everything bigger than a bread box so to speak if that makes sense you can have some mm-hmm. some, some sort of fear of, of something or everything right so the first one that i want to talk about i am not going to attempt to pronounce i will let google do it for me because they're good for that mm-hmm. so this is the first one the fear of being choked by peanut butter. Arachibaterophobia. Arachibaterophobia. Did you catch it? I did. The fear <laughs> of being choked by peanut butter. Fear I being mean, choked by peanut butter. I could yes. see where that might be a fear. <laughs> yes. The fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth or being choked by it. And apparently, in the pulling. pulling this other detailed information from another site. My apologies. I don't have the reference. But uh, according to this um, resource, the phenomenon has happened to everyone at some point or another, people who do eat peanut butter. People who have this phobia are obviously extremely afraid of it. And the severity of the phobia varies from person to person. Some people may be able to eat small amounts and be okay. Some will not eat it at all. And they say that that particular phobia can stem from a greater phobia of sticky things or fear of choking, which is kind of obvious. 
It can also stem from a traumatic incident with peanut butter. Such yeah. as being allergic to it, which would make sense. Yeah. I found that I'm, one interesting, though, and I never really thought. I don't even eat peanut butter like I used to. Oh, I, used- I, I do. Good God. I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich like every day for lunch. So I don't know that I've had one since since maybe Kendra was young. Right enough for both of us then. So okay, fair, fair. Don't feel, don't feel like you gotta gotta take up the mantle because that's my typical lunch. But did you ever have a moment that like it would get stuck and you would find it annoying because that's annoying? But did you ever have a moment like, oh my god, I gotta get this peanut butter off the roof of my mouth because it's driving me nuts? Or was it no. just like it was just like it was like a passing thought and it was done? Yeah, no, I don't think I've ever had an issue with. With either of that, um, I don't know. Yeah, no. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, I do have um, a cousin, and she has a son that is, like, insanely allergic to peanuts. Like, to the point he can't even go to baseball games. Oh, yeah. No, I would understand that completely. Yeah. So he probably has that. <laughs> he probably does, unfortunately. And that's that's awful that the fear comes from the fact that it's risk. It's, it's putting his life at risk, basically. It's just wild. Yeah. Jeez. But that's just one. That's not what's one I, I never really thought of. Peanut butter specifically, because there are other things that are sticky like that, like certain kinds of candy. Yeah. Yeah. But that's interesting that it's specifically because of peanut butter. So there it is. There's our first one. I found that one um, interesting, telling. So here's the next one. All right. I'm also going to let Google pronounce it because I have to. I don't know anybody that can pronounce it. And I don't want to hear any smack from any listening friends. We love you all. I don't want to hear any smack (laughs) about not pronouncing it because I can't. So here it is. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Hippopotaminstrosesquiptaliophobia. Want to hear it again? Yeah. Hippopotaminstrosesquiptaliophobia. Want to hear it slow? Yeah. Hippopotaminstrosesquiptaliophobia. That is the fear of long words. <laughs> well, I mean, of, of course it is. I mean, Don't you hate it? <laughs> wow. Yeah, it there is. you go. It is also the longest word in the dictionary. Go figure. Well, I mean, it's only fitting. It would have to be. It would have to be. Like, I was trying to be brave and sound this out for myself. I was like, "Mm -mm. mm-mm, mm-mm, nope. Google is here for a reason. I'm going to utilize it. Utilize your tools. There was no way. I I was in the room by myself trying to sound this word out. I was like embarrassed. I'm like, I'm not doing this. So, no. It's believed that the phobia of long words develops from being embarrassed by pronouncing long words incorrectly. This may occur while reading out loud in front of a class as a child. And it can also be commonplace in people with dyslexia. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I know several people that the thought of you know, reading out loud in school was terrifying for them. And they would 
go and calculate which paragraph was going to be theirs. And they would like practice reading that, you know, paragraph. So when they had to say it out loud, they could. Yeah. But I was like the irony, that word being used to describe a fear of long words. I'm going to say it was intentional. Well, here's the thing. And I don't even want to try to read this. It used to be known by a shorter name. And they made it longer just for kicks. Yeah. So that was intentional. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, who did this? What what kind of what kind of ling- linguistic genius did this? Thanks. 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 Appreciate it. The next one is kind of related to what we just talked about with yours. A blutophobia, which is a fear of bathing. More specifically, bathing, washing, or cleaning oneself. I was in the army with a guy that apparently had that phobia. I'm not joking. When I was in Kuwait, we literally, eight of us, took him and grabbed him and stuck him in the shower and was like, Mm. you're either going to shower or we're going to stand in here and rip your clothes off and shower you. (laughs) You Mm. stink. And we're in a small room with nine other people. You stink. Yeah. Fortunately, he decided that he was just going to bathe and then he started on a bathing basis. daily after that. Oh, Cause I think that might've been embarrassing for him, but yeah. Didn't have and to do that to a grown ass man, but there you, you go. Sh- you shouldn't, but yeah, that's, that's one of those things. And, and from what that sounded like, considering the circumstances y'all were under, that may have been stemming from something else, but I guess he figured it was more advantageous for him to take care of it than have someone else do it. Yeah, and it wasn't even like old school army days where it was just a room with like 10 shower heads in it and you were all, you know, there together. These were like individual showers. For some folks, that really it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like something like we like, you know, when I was just talking about the definition of it, it may have been something that happened to him a long time ago that he was embarrassed to ever be sharing with other people in the room at all. Could be. And why he chose to enlist in the military, I can't say, but because <laughs> that's one of the places you just can't avoid that happening. He was a weird dude. Was he? Yeah, his last name was Spanish for serpent, and his first name was Jesus or Jesus. Oh. So I'd always found it funny that his name was Jesus Snake. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So maybe, maybe that's why I didn't bathe. Anyway, moving on. But I'm. Okay. It could be, it could be anything, but folks who suffer them from this phobia, their fear of bathing and the anxiety they experience while bathing tends to be so extreme that the consequences, i.e., bad body odor and social isolation, like you mentioned, pale in comparison. They would rather be ostracized and talked about than go take a shower, and that's some deep shit when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. In in all seriousness, I wonder if it stems from uh, childhood and maybe having a an abusive parent bathe you or older sibling that was somewhat abusive bathe you and and issues from that, because I could see where that could be traumatic. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. And And really, when you go through even just the handful that we'll talk about here, but some of the other ones I noticed um, while researching it. You could link a lot of them back to stuff that's happened early on, because that's when, you know, a lot of your personality sets in is when you're relatively young. Yeah. 
And when having to experience some negative encounter with a person or a situation or something just cements in your head, even if you don't remember the specifics of it, it just cements in your head. You don't know why there's um, some friends of my aunt and uncle. Um, they still live here in the area too. As a matter of fact, the, the wife has an intense phobia of furry things like not animals per se, furry things, dogs, cats, but all everything, anything furry freaks her out. Interesting. It is. She's not going to be going to a furry convention anytime soon is what you're saying. I have, I have no idea. And now that I say that, I really want to know what that's because it has, it has to be a, some name for it. But the, And she's just the sweetest, the sweetest ladies. I've met her a few times, but oh, it's adorophobia. Suffers of this fear avoid fur-bearing animals such as dogs, cats, foxes, beavers, and rabbits because fur is repulsive to them. Hmm. Interesting. It is. It is. So, and I, I, I remember hearing stories how they were trying to mess with her and stuff. And like, don't do that to people. They'll mess. You can freak them out, and they'll mess around and punch you in the face. Don't do that. Don't. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. I wonder. Just out of curiosity, I wonder if that extends to things like carpet. Because while it's not fur, depending on the type of carpet, it can be like fur-ish. You know what I mean? Or something? Yeah. Yeah, that is a good question. Do stuffed animals bother them? Or just certain types of stuffed animals? Or it could be the the texture of that kind of thing on a living thing. That might be it. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Huh. Yeah. Listening friends, if you have this particular phobia, please uh, contact us and let us know if it extends to, you know, inanimate objects like stuffed animals or carpet. And seriously, I'm, I'm curious to know. Me too. Now that you said that, I really am. Hmm. So the next one we're going to talk about is ergophobia, which is a fear of work. Don't laugh. This is the thing. This is different from someone who's just lazy as hell. This is someone who really <laughs> who really doesn't want to go to work. And they have extreme anxieties associated with their place of work or work environment. They may have a fear of manual labor or the act of working itself. Others can have a fear of finding a job. And this is interesting to me. This particular definition is interesting to me because it sounds like someone who just doesn't want to. But then you have people that are anxious about going through the process of looking for a job, applying for a job and interviewing. They're anxious about going through the process. And then when they get the job, they actually have to show up and talk to people and do things. Right. They, can't, they can't interact with people. If they have anxiety issues or social issues or, or, or have trouble interacting with folks or maybe trouble sometimes following directions if it's a manual labor job or mm-hmm. they might have a fear of hurting themselves. It could be anything related to working depending on what kind of job it is but when i first read it i had to i I was like let me put myself in check this is not what this is (laughs) yeah it really is someone having a fear to work and some of it may stem from occupational burnout which we've heard a lot of happening these last few years um where a person becomes so stressed and exhausted but they can feel they feel like they can no longer do the damn job 
And it can also be associated with negative work experiences like an abusive employer or poor work-life balance. Again, we've heard all this stuff happening, especially in the last three years since um, COVID set upon us. So that is a thing. And I can, I wouldn't say I had a phobia per se, but when I was going through some extreme conflict with someone in my old department there were days that it was it was a struggle even just even being here at home it was Mm -hmm. a struggle to actually get up and go clock in and have to work because i'm like this is not the day i do not want to talk to this person no no i understand i had a co-worker thankfully this co-worker no longer works in our office Mm -hmm. that would just go and say I said things that I to her that I did not say. And I eventually got to the point to where if I like had to go and make copies, I would either wait and not go in there. If she, that person was in there or I would get out my phone, whip out, you know, the old app to record stuff so that Mm -hmm. anytime I was around this person, I would have a recording of what was said. Hmm. Hmm. And uh, I told my supervisor and my supervisor's supervisor that I was doing that. I'm like, I have to. And I documented everything of, you know, of what was going on with this particular employee. And it got to where I was, I don't, I wouldn't say terrified, but I didn't like going to work because it was just so stressful just being around that person. Right. Yep. Yep. So if you were going through, you know, having an, an a-hole coworker in your old department, I completely understand why you would get worn out even working at home. Yeah, it was because it was someone that I couldn't, it was someone that I could not talk to if right. they reached out to me, you know what I'm saying? They were above me. So it was like, you know, the phone would ring and I look, I'd be like, Oh, okay. Let me just, and there were, you know, long stretches of time where I didn't have to, but then I knew when, you know, it was a one-on-one call. If it was a whole department meeting at some point, it was just going to be like, don't say my name. Don't point me out. Don't say anything. Because it was worse when we were still in the office. Like this person took every opportunity to, you know, come bug and come interrupt me and bug me about the most random things. And at some point, you know, some years before when the conflict was at its worst, this person was spreading rumors that I wasn't doing my job. Like they couldn't understand how I was getting my work done because they swore I was all over the building. I was everywhere, but at my desk, but somehow I was getting work done. Okay. Which... So it, yeah. And it just, it got to the point where I'm like, what's the deal? And, and yeah, I, I don't, I guess you could call it a phobia. I really, really hated showing up. I really, yeah. even, even being at home, I just sometimes really hated showing up. And there were other things that factored into, you know, that position becoming harder and harder. And as I went on, but it was just like, no. So I get, I get it. I, I get this particular phobia. Sometimes yeah. it's just, you've had enough of whatever was going on and you just don't want to, you want to do with it. You want to do with it. You don't want to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. So just like you, you're like, Mm-mm, nope. Yeah, and unfortunately, just due to modern times, Mm -hmm. um, chances are that just because, you know, 
this particular person was a cis female <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a dude, mm-hmm. chances are she would have been believed over me. And so that's why I was like, I'm going to record and document everything as it occurred. Mm-hmm. She She's going to deploy the tears. <clears throat> yeah. And I, it was so bad that if my supervisor, my direct supervisor was off that day, basically at the end of the day, I would send in a summary of, the interact if there were any interactions with her or not i would have to, i would send in a summary so there was a record of everything now this person didn't know that that was going on mm-hmm. so if something you know because it was just sort of done in a this way you kind of have a record of stuff that was happening mm-hmm. like this person would do things like part of my duties are to transfer calls to people in you know, because it's a cubicle farm, they would hear that I would say, I got to transfer you over to so-and-so. Mm-hmm. And then what would happen is they wouldn't answer the phone. And then if the person hit zero and called back as I was talking to that person, they would then go listen to the voicemail. And while I was still helping that person call them back, what? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm like, that is just so petty. That's weird shit. What the, what the heck? And dumb. And um, then eventually what happened, <laughs> they went oh. to complain about some interaction with us. And finally, my supervisor, supervisor looked at her and said, you realize he records every time you guys are in the room together. So there's a recording of what was what happened. So if you're about to say something, if it's not true, you might want to consider it before you say it because there'll be a recording. Oops. <laughs> and they looked at her and said, and it's been happening for the last eight months. Oops again. <laughs> and so they got mad and stormed out. And then for the next two months, walked all the way around the office to exit the office if you know going to lunch or bathroom or whatever just to avoid walking by my cubicle and and probably to make it look like they were being victimized instead of the other way around right no, no doubt no doubt yeah mm. yeah gross. yeah gross. When, when they got another job and left i like brought cupcakes into work he danced in the halls and threw glitter. I'm like, hey guys, look, I randomly brought cupcakes. I'm like, what happened? Who did it? <laughs> that thing. Yeah. I felt I felt the same way when I, I finally transferred out. I was like, I told I told my people, I was like, I feel like I'm getting out of a toxic relationship. Yeah. I'm I'm decompressing. I'm deconstructing. You like <laughs> screamed like William Wallace at the end of Braveheart. Freedom. Basically, <laughs> I got really wanted to run down the street like it's happening. It really happened. It happened. It continues to happen. And I had to reach out to this person last week about some vaguely related thing. How's it going over there? It's just fine. Just answer my question. Thanks. I, <laughs> just, I don't need anything else. I don't. Yeah. Need no. After after having that experience, though, I could see where somebody could develop a phobia, especially if it happens more than once yeah with this like you like with you it's the same person the same pattern the same bs and you're like what is wrong with you 
Yeah. You don't know what to do with that. You don't know what to do with it. It's weird. It's so weird. But yeah, there's that one. All yeah. right. Let's let's move on to the next one now that we ended up talking about, you know, work. <laughs> this is my this is one of my personal phobias. And it's a weird one, I know, but all right. Molluscophobia, fear of slugs and snails. When I tell you, I don't know where it came from. All I know is it exists. Mm -hmm. Here's two stories, very short. Years ago, um, when my daughter was in grade school, um, the job I had at the time, I had weird shifts. And one of them was like a midday shift on the Saturday. It's very annoying. And sometimes I would have to enlist the help of some of my friends to watch her for me during the afternoon. Right. So um, I get off of work one evening and go pick her up at my friend's house. And the house my friend stayed in, it was um, elevated off the ground. It had a little set of like four or five steps up to the porch. So I stayed over there for a while talking, you know, you know, in our mouth. We were sitting outside because it was summertime. It was nice outside. And I was sitting on the steps themselves. And uh, my daughter and then her kids, they were out in the yard, you know, playing. So some time passes. I said, let me get on home. And daughter was trying to, starting to get tired. So I picked her up, put her in the car, strapped her in, go home. House was like 15 minutes away. Doodly doodly do. Get in the house, carry her in her room, you know, put her in her mm -hmm. jammies, tuck her in, close the door, turn to walk, look down at my feet. There are two, two slugs stuck to my shoe. They had hitched a fucking ride from my friend's front lawn all the way in my freaking house on my foot. I had to literally bite my fist like you seen in the movies where you bite your fist just keep them screaming. <laughs> I, had to do, I had to do that so I wouldn't wake her up. And I just stood like frozen for like five minutes looking at them, them little. And they were just sitting there. They barely moved. I was like. Just staring at it. So I, I moved like in slow mo, very, very carefully and pull the shoe off. Pull the other shoe off. Then I take I get rubber gloves and six trash bags and take my shoe outside and I threw it on the ground. <laughs> You're like, I, if I, have, I don't care if I got to go barefoot. That's exactly what I did. I'm well, throwing these shoes there. away. These shoes I, are, they are gone. I didn't throw them out. That was the thing. I just threw them on the ground to knock them loose, and they got knocked loose. And then, for good measure, I took both shoes and banged the crap out of them up against the outside wall. <laughs> then I brought the shoes back inside, but put them outside my apartment door. Then I went inside. And took a shower and thoroughly scrubbed myself about 20 minutes. <laughs> that was episode one. So some years later, I'm at another friend's house late in the evening. And they had a, one, another house that had, you know, little elevated porch with some steps. I'm sitting at the top of the steps. And I see down below us on the little brick sidewalk, there's a slug. He's he's coming up. He's he's making a run for it towards the porch. I freeze. Like I'm literally six feet away from it and I see it. I'm like, I tap my friend. I was like, she's like, what's wrong with you, slug? 
I literally could not move. I, I, I stood there and just stared. I started breaking down the sweat. She's like, what's wrong with you? Slug. She said, girl, she went in the house and got the thing of salt. salt. I literally, yeah, I said, I just murdered I, it for you. She murdered it. And it, that freaked <laughs> me out even worse. <laughs> yeah, that that is an odd thing to see. And she looked and stared at me for the longest. I'm like, what? Don't judge me. I was like, I can't stand them. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I, I don't know how to feel about homeless snails, but it's just nasty. <laughs> so my question is, and I'm not trying to create mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. So what about like, like sort of water versions of snails, like clams or oysters or. Well, I wouldn't need them either because they look like loogies, but that part. <laughs> but I mean, do just if you were to see one, would that cause you to have an issue? It won't freak me out seeing like, because I know those are like sea creatures. And plus, I don't eat them because I'm right. like you. They look they look like loogies and they I don't I, I don't. There's just something about so un, un, unappetizing about the way they look. But that's as far as it goes. It just looks unappetizing. Okay. It doesn't freak me out. But the fact that slugs can move. And they look like they're coming for me. <laughs> Sounds like for Christmas, uh, I I need to get you. Uh, there's a thing called like a salt gun. Oh, yeah. It shoots little salt pellets that you need to uh, have strapped on you at all times. So if you see a slug, you can just. I'm going to have to do something. But that's the thing. Watching him die is even worse. Well, you'll just have to look away. <laughs> I have to do something, but I have to know that they're dead. Do you do you, do you see the contradiction here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it did, it's been raining on and off for like the last week or so here. And so the, they like to crawl up on the siding on the front porch. Slug weather? Yes. They're little tiny ones, maybe not even an inch, but still. I'll see them come up there and they'll be just sitting. I'll go out in the evening and get some on the car and come back. And the porch light had clicked on, and they're just sitting there. And I'm like, you little bastard. You're coming yeah. to me, are you? <laughs> so. So while yeah. we were talking, I looked up one phobia. Mm-hmm. And it's a phobia that I would say probably 98% of people would, would possibly have. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I'm pronouncing this correctly. Uh, Myth. Mephitophobia, phobia, sorry, M E T H. So I'm assuming that's the F sound, mephitophobia. Mm-hmm. And that is the fear of skunks. Mm. Well, that's kind of obvious. Yeah, comes from yeah. the Latin word mephistus or noxious vapor. Mm. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, I get that. And the generic term is just simply skunk phobia, but. That makes sense. That makes that is, sense to be afraid of it. That's definitely a phobia I have. Yeah. He, I never come across one to say, but I can, I can, I can definitely see where it would be a thing as soon as you saw one. Like, <gasps> like don't mess with him. He's going to spray us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I wish that my old my old boy Henry, my dog Henry, I wish he would have had that phobia. No. Oh. Uh, because he did not have that phobia, which resulted in him getting sprayed somewhere around five or six times. Less. 
Look at that boy. And what time was point blank range? Mm-mm-mm. And then Heather's all yelling, and I come out. And I'm like, "What the? Oh my god!" And she's like, "Bring the shit!" So I we wash him and get him all clean. As strange as it sounds, though, it was in his mouth, so we were kind of able to like put some mouthwash in, and it wasn't oh, wow. as bad. <laughs> then Heather comes in, and she's like, "That was awful." And I'm like, "And you know who's also smelling pretty shitty right now? You. She's you like, need to go get in the shower, there, honey." She's like, "No." <laughs> She was walking him and he saw the skunk and he took off running after it. Mm-hmm. And it happened so fast that it, he like dragged Heather because Henry was a pretty large dog. He's a hundred pound dog. Mm-hmm. So if he wanted to go somewhere, he was going to go that place, you know, and uh, it was point blank range. And that was not a fun night. I bet not. Yeah. Last but not least, phobia, phobia, phobophobia. Which is fear of phobias. <laughs> Which is this? This is this is not even an ironic thing. Honestly, I have a fear of fears, and they they really describe it as free floating anxiety, where everything right is like <gasps> yes, yeah, fearing I, fear yeah. itself. So, but they say this is commonly co-diagnosed with other types of specific phobias. And is often associated with anxiety disorders. They will often avoid social situations or situations that can lead to anxiety. Yeah. Makes yeah, sense. That, that does make sense. If like if you have agoraphobia. Yeah. That would probably lead to a bunch of related sort of things that would create big anxiety for you. So yeah, being outside and then you have a fear of water, it can rain. You have a fear of falling objects. There's that. And you have a fear of talking to people. There's on and on and on. And I can't imagine how things would happen for someone that has layers upon layers of anxiety and phobias. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, there it is. It's our chit chat about phobias. And like I said, for everything that exists, I imagine someone has a phobia for it or has experienced some kind of phobia there may be a name there may not be i'm interested to find the condition that the a phobia that's not been named i'll just think of random things i'm like is there a fear of you know so listening friends if you think of a weird one let us know that would no. be good that would be good to share because you know as you know we're always going to learn new things so yes but that um, we are that's just a few, a few of the many phobias out there. So we're all have them because we're all human and damn it. What can we do? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it just takes one thing. And the next thing you know, you have a phobia or you could have a parent with the phobia that after a lifetime of being raised with that parent, you can develop that phobia as well. Mm-hmm. And unwittingly. Yes. Yeah. That is my, true. my mom was terrified of snakes. Mm. While I am not a fan of snakes, mm-hmm. I am not terrified of them. My sister, on the other hand, doesn't even like seeing them on TV. Oh, wow. And that's because that's kind of how my mom was. And I can see that. Um, I think in my mom's case, it stems from growing up on a farm and almost getting bit by a rattlesnake when she was a kid. That'll do it. So That'll I can see it. where that would do it. <sighs> but that certainly never happened to my sister Hers, mm-hmm. hers was brought about because my mom passed that on to her. 
Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they say, uh, you know, that's just as likely as having an actual encounter is just learning from someone who has had that encounter and they just reinforce the negativity of that encounter over and over and over. So it's, it's absolutely possible. Like yeah. I'm, I'm like you, I'm not a fan of snakes, but I'm not freaking out. But when, when my daughter was little, we uh, took a trip to the zoo and I inadvertently went into the snake house. I didn't realize it was a snake and reptile house. She was like three, four. She was still small enough. I could carry her on my hip every now and then. Well, I had her on my hip. I walked in the door. She saw it was snakes. That girl put me in a death clutch. She had both of her little arms around my neck. I could not breathe. I stumbled out into the sunlight. I'm like, get off of me. She's like, yeah, that was that, that was that. I said, get off of me. And to this day, she has revisioned this story as saying, you did that on purpose. I was like, why would I take you in the- I didn't know you had a problem with snakes until we went in there. You did that on purpose. I said, girl, go away. <laughs> go figure. But yeah. This just made me think of this. Huh. So my mom did not like snakes. And anytime we went to the zoo, you made me think, mm-hmm. you know, the, the snake building and all that stuff. It was always, is mom going to be brave enough to go through it this time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was younger than 10 because we lived in... Uh, Abilene, Texas at the time, but we had gone to Fort Worth and went to the Fort Worth Zoo and we were in the herpetorium. So we're standing there and mom and dad and my sister are looking at some animal in a cage. Well, next to that was a larger enclosure that had a king cobra in it. Yeah. So my little brother standing there looking at it and he starts swaying to the right and to the left and to the right and to the left. Uh-huh. Well, it caught the attention of that cobra. So that cobra then sort of rolls over and he's just sort of doing that. Uh-huh. And I guess he found it interesting that the snake then started going back and forth with him. Uh-huh. It was kind of cool, actually, you know, how that sort of just organically happened. Uh-huh. So he's doing that. Well, at the exact moment my parents turned around, the cobra decided it had had enough, and it went back, and it struck and smacked its head on the glass. Had that glass not been there, yeah, oh, yeah. he was going in for the kill. Yeah. My mom oh. damn near had a heart attack. Jeez. And she was just like, nope, I'm gone. And she was <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> and I think that may have been the last time that she ever went in the uh in the in the, you know, the stake building. And that includes one time when when we were in school and we went to the zoo for a field trip and she was one of the moms that went mm-hmm. and um you know so you have like four kids and mom was like with one of the other parents she's like can they go in there with you? I have a snake issue. <laughs> An issue. <laughs> I don't blame her. Like I said, I'm not a fan, but if I don't have to be around her for an extended length of time, that'll be fine. Yeah. So, no, I, I feel you. I feel you. That will be fine. So that's our chat for the day, listening friends. As always, we thank yep. you for joining us. Jack, do you want to take us out? I, I certainly would like to. Um, one phobia that we really hope you don't have, and that would be buying us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com backslash hyperfocus pods. 
Um, it would that would be a horrible phobia to have. <laughs> and in fact, we hope you have a phobia of not sending us a coffee from buymeacoffee.com backslash mm-hmm. hyperfocus pods. Because mm-hmm. that would be an awful phobia to have to go through the rest of your life with. It would be. It would be. We're here to tell you. So but otherwise, uh check us out on the social medias. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening and We'll talk to you in a week.